deserving cause I know where you've been I have a record of your life when you were bound by sin I know your darkest secrets that you would never tell what makes you think you don't deserve a place with
ever want to hear God laugh, you just tell God, Brother Jason, tell him your plans. Tell him how it's going to go. And uh, every group this week, about a month, though, about a couple weeks ago, they got a screenshot of an itinerary from me for this week. I said, this is how it's going to go. This is what we're going to do. This is where you need to be. This is what's going to happen. And then uh, I guess I sent one of those to the Lord, too, Jeremy. I'm not sure. And he said, okay, watch this. And uh, he, he, he removes this, this, and this, and this, and, and uh, get down there. And, man, we're so excited for the new growth. And, of course, Miss Savannah and Brother Evan, they weren't able to travel with us this year. And the new one's coming. And the brand-new piano player. And then uh, I could go into story after story after story. And there was some 4 a.m. decisions made. There was some 5 a.m. decisions made. But God was awake during the whole process. And uh, I promise you, these young people represented our church in a well way this year. And uh, we don't go down there flashing a sign saying this is about Faith Community Baptist Church. But I promise you, of at least six or seven churches this morning, as their pastor takes the pulpit, they're going to be encouraged this morning because of the investment that this church made and how we made their church. You say, but Brandon, we don't care about their church. We're not going. We do care about their church. And uh, I can't preach to everybody across every. Everybody can't come to our church, and we're fixing to lose the seats that we have. Can everybody say amen to that? But we're going to get them back. But we can be an encouragement, and when someone hears our church name, it's not about uplifting, but they can hear it and say, you know what, I don't know a lot about them, but I know one thing, they invest in other churches, they help other churches, and we're all on the same team, headed the same way, and I, th I commend you for that, and I thank you for that, and I hope that you always have that mindset. First uh, Samuel 17 is where I ask you to go, and these kids know what I'm fixing to do. I'm going to go back to our text verse from uh, this week. Uh, that we kind of launched out of, and I challenged them because you'll understand where I'm going. I'm coming back to 1 Samuel there in chapter 17, which is obviously, if your Bible is like my Bible, it's a coloring sheet. It is the story of David and Goliath, and they've colored, they've colored the big man and the little man all their life. They've had slingshots and thrown rocks, and, and they know it frontwards, backwards. And maybe you hear this morning, you say, we say that all the time, but you may have never heard of David and Goliath. And we're not preaching on that battle necessarily this morning. But I launched out of 2 Timothy chapter number 4 this week. You just stay right where you are, I promise you. I'm in the King James. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and I challenged them because for the first time this year, about June, Brother, Brother Kevin, the Lord birthed this into my heart for this meeting. And uh, I kind of launched out of this text every morning, and then we were in Ruth, we were in different places. But 2 Timothy chapter number 4, talking about here, uh, kind of towards the, the end of time, kind of towards the time that we're living in. The Bible says in verse number 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead that is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Notice the next phrase of chapter number 4. You're not there, but you're listening. Verse number 3 of 2 Timothy. The Bible says, For the time will come when they should not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Uh, more than ever in the time that we're living, the reason that we invest and the reason that we believe and really, Brother Wayne, protect this group that's sitting up front and scattered throughout is because we're not reading this as Paul and Timothy is reading this and they're looking, the time will come, the time has come, and there's a lot of voices coming into their head, a lot of itching ears coming into their head. And if there's ever been a time that they and that us as a church need to endure, Brother Wayne, sound doctrine, it is now. Because there is so many options, there's so many ways, there's so many distractions. And it used to be the world against the church, or so to speak. Now, it's, it's even into our churches. And I promise you, everything that gets preached or taught from a podium or, or a pulpit on Sunday mornings or, or taught or wherever it is, and I'm not bashing anybody, all of it is not sound doctrine. I'm thankful for our pastor and for sound doctrine. But I said that to say this, every message 
We've out Brother Brian for the next year, and I may do it every message. And uh, Brother Tim Gammon has his entry style. Brother Brian has his entry style. Others have entry styles. I just get up and, and say something that don't make sense and start preaching. But I think for this year, I think I ought to launch out of that verse every time because every service, Brother Harold, we have the option whether to endure and hear the sound doctrine or whether we're not going to listen to sound doctrine. It's a choice. Every time the Word of God is preached, we either hear it or we don't listen. Every altar call that's given, we either come or we don't come. You say, well, Brother Brandon, every service, if everybody came to the altar, there'd be nobody out there. And I get that. I'm not expecting that. But I want to make sure this year in my heart that I'm listening so intently that if God gives me anything in the message that I know I need to take care of it. I need to take care of it now. So I encourage you with that. Say, Brother Brandon, we're not teenagers. You can't tell us what to do. I know sometimes they're easier for that reason. I can tell them what to do. And a couple of them, I've got the green light to whoop them if I need to whoop them. Y'all ever know what a whooping is? Is it different than a spanking and a whooping? Peter, you ever had a whooping? Yeah, I've had some too. All right, here we go. First Timothy, First Timothy, First Samuel, chapter number 17, the story of David and Goliath. Now, I could take time this morning and read all of this and go back, and that's fine and decently, but I don't have liberty to do that this morning. So we are going to break this up. We're going to begin reading in verse number 10. But to get us to verse number 10, understand that David here, we know that David, we've been taught since chapter 16, that David is the youngest, basically the runt, if you will, of Jesse's family. If you go back to chapter 16 in your daily reading, and I hope you kids take your 25, 30 minutes today, and say, Brother Brandon, my personal devotion times you preaching. That don't count. you still got to go back and read your Bible 25, 30 minutes today. I encourage your parents to keep making them do that. But if you read back to chapter 16 today in your devotion time, you'll realize that that David here is, is, is anointed, and we know that he's anointed in verse number 12 to be king over Israel. He would be anointed, I guess, I guess Brother Brian, if you're preaching this and studying this, at least three times. We know that he was not king that day in Jesse's living room, but it was, for, it was, it was foretold, it was promised, it was, it was given to his family and before God and everybody else that he would be the next king. Can I tell you, Saul was man's king. You remember them speaking, I want a king, I want a king, I want a king. And some of the most dangerous times in our life, my dad preaches, is when God gives you what you ask for. He gave them Saul. But David would be God's king. David would not be a perfect king, Brother Harold, but he would be God's king. That's who God had designed for them in the kingdom lineage. But we get to chapter number 17, and now the Philistines, verse number 1, are gathered together, their armies to battle, and they were gathered together at Shoko, and belong, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azkah, and the Ephrates, the men. And Saul and his men of Israel were gathered together, and they pitched in the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. So after chapter number 16, David is still a what? David is not king yet. He is still a shepherd. That's right. Hoyt, you're one for 50. Hoyt's got it. You're you got to catch up. He's a shepherd. He's still a shepherd. Well, Brother Brandon, he was anointed to be king. He should be getting things in order. He should be getting his wardrobe. He should be picking out his chariot. No, he went back to doing exactly what God had told him to do, which was obeying his father. There's a message in that as well. But David is still obeying his father. But three of his older brothers, and we'll see this in verse 13, they go out to battle, kind of like a, an enlisting or kind of like a, a draft, and they go to battle with the Philistines here in chapter 17. 
When they arrive here in the Valley of Elah, you know the story. There is not only an army, but there is a giant that's waiting on them. There is something that is much bigger than this army. And though there are probably hundreds of thousands of men, Brother, Brother Brian, gathered around this hillside looking down into this valley, there is one man that is defying all of them, and rightfully so. This is a big man. This is somebody that is huge. And we get to verse number 10. The Bible says in the Philistine, this is, this is Goliath speaking. They've met him. They've seen him. He's overwhelming him. And he then begins to open his mouth and defy God and basically spit in the face of our God. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that will fight together, that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David, verse number 12, was the son of Ephrates of Bethlehem of Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he, was, and he, and he had eight sons. And the man went among, uh, among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And three, this is it, verse number 13, and three of the elder sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. The names of these sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and then and next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and these three eldest followed Saul. Verse 15, but David went and returned to, from Saul to feed his sheep, his father's sheep, at Bethlehem. The Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Now, why did he do that? He wanted to make sure, Brother Wayne, that every morning the first thing they saw was him. And every night the first thing they saw, the last thing they saw, was him. You know what's conquering in you in your life? And I'm not preaching on that this morning, but I deal with this as well. The first thing you're thinking of in the morning and the last thing you're worried about at nighttime, if you're not careful, it'll consume your life. It'll conquer your life. Brother Brandon, I want victory. Can I tell you what's usually on your mind, what's going to rule your day is the first thing you see and the last thing you see. Jesse said unto David, verse 17, Take now thy before they take now for thy brethren an ephah of this perched corn and these ten loaves and run unto the camp of thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captains of their thousands and they and look how thy brethren fare and, and take pledge. Now Saul, verse number 19, and they that all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistine. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with his keeper, with a keeper, and took and went into Jesse as commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. So now in verse number 26, if we skip down, David has arrived on the scene. So his father said, take this food, take these lunch boxes, take this bread, take this corn, and take this cheese, Brother Kevin, go and see how your brothers are doing. Basically, give me a report. Now, it could have been that the father was just worried about his sons. It could have been that he was concerned of how the battle was going. Everybody's kind of wanting an update. How many of you watch sports and every once in a while you open your phone up just to get an update to see how the game's going? He wanted to know, hey, how is things looking when you get there? So David has been giving a charge. He obeys his father just like he has been doing and just like he will do with his heavenly father. It's a great picture of obedience here, but we're not preaching on obedience this morning. But he goes, and Brother Petey, he gets there, and he gets there in verse number 26. This is what he says. David, the Philistine has spoke, and now David's fixing to speak. And remember his stature. Remember how little. And David spake to the men, verse number 26, that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is the uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. 
And Eliab, this is his eldest brother, the Bible says in verse 28, when he had spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left the few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness and thine heart, and therefore thou hast come down that thou mightest see the battle. Verse 29, I want you to notice the words of David. David asks a question. His brother's mad. His brother says, you're just showing off. Keep your mouth shut. David said in verse 29, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another, and he spake after the same manner. And the people answered him after the former manner. I said, Brother Brandon, you've just given us a crash course of what's going on. But I wanted to get to this conversation between this brother, Miss Chloe, and David. The brother, just like anybody else would, if Tyler were to come somewhere and try to do something better than I was, or if I was having a gathering and my little brother, Malachi, I know you love Josiah, ruining your life, and, and he's a blessing to you, and you never fight and argue about it. And I know you say, man, I just want him around me all the time. That's not true. But Eliab sitting there by the cabin, and here comes his brother, and he sees him coming in, and these men are, are, are men's men. These are king's men. You don't just walk up and talk to them, yet David goes up and basically says, hey, what's the problem? Who's going to shut this guy up? Who's going to, who's going to, Miss Paisley, what, why, why are we, why are, what are we waiting on? What are we doing? And, and his brother's like, you need to hush. I know you're just showing off and running your mouth and trying to be prideful and trying to be naughty. But David says this, hey, he looks at his brother and says, is there not a cause? Just for a second this morning, I want to preach on that thought. And that title's been used many times before. But can I tell you this morning, that question rings in my head this week as I was standing there on that platform looking out across that congregation. Is there not a cause? I tell you, there is a cause. David has arrived, and David is not a superman or a super spiritual or, or bigger than Goliath. It's easy to handle the problem when you're bigger than the problem. But David showed up, and not only is his brothers too small, the king's too small, the armies are too small, but he is way under-advantaged, Brother Harold, to face this Goliath. These words of David resonated in my heart this week. I believe that Brother Brian preached on uh, the football one night there, and I was standing on the stage looking at that ball, and, and God began to stare in my heart about this message. And then, and then two nights ago, I was standing there, and I got up on the stage, and normally I'll go to the pulpit, and I'll begin to, to work and moderate through the altar call and be, and be sensitive, but maybe interject something or maybe just, just give a reminder or a challenge during the altar call. But I, I stood against that back wall, against that pretty gold wallpaper that's been there, Brother Allen, since I was 10 years old, I think. I stood back there and I just listened. Brother Jimmy was singing on the piano and I'm ready to serve and I've heard him sing it a thousand times. I remember pledging my life to that song when I was a teenager and I just watched Brother Harold. And I looked across as the altar waves came forward and, and another wave came forward and number one came forward and the Lord just reminded me that there is still a cause. There was a cause in 1 Samuel chapter 17, but that cause has not lifted. Brother Brandon, what do you mean? There's no giants in here this morning. We may have giants in our life, but those words begin to resonate in my heart, Brother Brian. I begin to chew on them, and I could have preached something this morning. You say, Brother Brandon, we need something that's brand new. We need something that will change our life. If we ever grasp this, it will change our life. It will change our church. Now, I'm thankful this morning I get to preach this to a church that's already participating and that believes in a cause. But can I tell you, not everywhere, Brother Wayne, believes in a cause. I began to think about it. I looked over that congregation. And even this morning, you as parents here, you say, Brother Brandon, my time has come. No, think about this. As adults and even as children, the potential that was in that ballroom. Brother Brian, the opportunity that was in that ballroom. The oppression that's going to come against that ballroom. The attacks that will come against those that was in that ballroom. But then I talk about the victories that I'm going to get to see come out of that ballroom. 
Brother Brandon, what do you mean? There's going to be some things. There were some things conquered this week and salvations and rededications and just basically, hey, Lord, my life's off track. Get me back on track. There were some victories that were won this week at 9800 whatever road going into Kingston Plantation. The Lord met with us there, and there was victories, and I got to be a part of that. They are the victories that are lying ahead because of the cause. The question David asked in verse 29 still stands true this morning. Is there not a cause? I think about people in the Bible that understood. They got it. I think about Mary there in the alabaster box. Y'all remember the story? The disciples, Brother Brian, they wasn't getting it. But she was getting it. She broke that ointment and that spicely ointment and took her hair and she washed the feet of Jesus. Of course, Judas and him there looking at them monetarily, they said, why are we doing this? But she said, guys, let's leave me alone. There is a cause. There's something, it's something special about this man. There's, there's something that he's fixing to do that you may not understand. I think about the Lord praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we know it back, and the disciples were sleeping, and I've, I've made that trip, it seems like Brother Brian, a hundred times from here to this big old fake rock right here to pray every Easter and go back. But that was a literal, that was a literal thing that happened. And our pastor, and I mean, and our, and our Savior went back, and the disciples, they may not have been completely understanding, but he was looking to Calvary and knew that there was a cause. And I thank the Lord that I'm part of a church. And I say this, it was easy. I actually preached the reverse of this this morning in Sunday school to them. And I asked them this question. I said, are y'all worth it? I said, I'm fixing to go out there and preach that there is a cause for your life. But you've got to show them that you're worth that cause. You've got to show them that it's worth investing in your life. I'm thankful I'm a part of a church that already does that, which makes this message, Brother Brian, a whole lot easier. But I started thinking about when we come home yesterday, my mind begins to wonder and we had to take a, a detour to Florence I'm not gonna tell you where we went my mom's one of my wife's bucket list happened yesterday and she got to go to Bucky's for the first time I was like I got in there and just I said man this place is nuts there's people running everywhere off 95 traffic jam I said holy moly honking the horn not speaking in spiritual languages there was a lot of things I rolled the windows up because there was a lot of foreign languages going on with somebody cutting somebody off I'm like these people are nuts it's just food and gas but she was happy I began to come back up the road, and yesterday, and I'm not going to tell you this morning, maybe tonight, but I began to plan. We, we picked a date for our youth rally this fall, and I booked that preacher, began to talk about different things that's happening in September. And Miss Kim even began to think about Bible school, and I'm thinking, man, this year's fixing to start, and all these dates that we're going to start over and do again. I began to think about all this, and I began to what really got me. I'm coming home, and I'm like 10 and 2, and toothpicks in my eyes, and I'm thinking, man, i got to start planning the 10th annual winter challenge tomorrow tomorrow so i sent that lady email back i said when i get home and find my pillow and realize where i am i'll send you an email and we'll start the process to see what we need to do and and get the rates the brandon it never ends you're right it will never end but you know why it never ends is because there's a cause there is a cause Brother Brandon, what do you see this morning quickly? And I want to get out of here so I can go eat before everybody else gets out of here. If we launch into 2024, and uh, every church always has a, a theme, I guess if I were to give a theme for our youth group, is I want God to do more in 2024. I said, Brother Brandon, that's catchy, but I want him to do more. I want to see God do things for you guys that he's never done before, and I know this church does as well. A reminder this morning, just a refresher, I used to love right before a test in school if the teacher said, let's, let's, I'm, going to re- I'm going to refresh to you, and tell you what's going to be on the test. That's when you start listening. You hadn't listened all year, but if he's fixing to give you the answers, now's a great time to listen. 
if he's fixing to say, what I'm fixing to tell you will be on the test. Listen, Brother Jeremy, you ain't paid attention all year long. You may not even know your teacher's name, or even he may not even know you was in his class to the last day. But listen. If I were to give you a refresher this morning, just as a reminder, going to 2024 as your youth pastor, and I'm thankful to be able to serve again this year with our pastor and with you, and we're all together in doing this, can I remind you there's still a cause. Brother Brandon, what is it? Let me tell you, number one, it's a great cause. David looked at this, and, man, it was David versus Goliath. This was going to be a great battle. Tomorrow, whether you believe the top four teams in the nation or not are playing in the uh, college playoffs, that starts tomorrow. And whether you are, if you're a Georgia fan, you definitely don't think that the top four teams are playing because they ain't in it. But they take the best of the best. Well, Goliath would have been the best of the best. But it was a great cause. I believe David walked in that day, and nobody else may have got this, but David, Petey, understood, I don't know what they're thinking, but this isn't going to go away. So if we don't do something, if I don't do something, what would have happened if David had never battled Goliath? What would have happened if David had never said, Saul, I hadn't proved your armor? What if David had never had an obedience to say, Lord, I don't care what the odds are, this is, this is important. There is a cause, Miss Elliot. What would have happened? We preach reverse psychology all throughout the scriptures. What would have happened if the prodigal had not left home? What would have happened if this person had not done it? What would have happened if the maniac had not come out of Gadara? What would have happened if, if, if Peter hadn't walked on the water? All these things that could have been a completely different outcome. But David realized, first of all, that the cause was great. A need for a victory was great. If David had not won this battle, Brother Brian, I don't know. I understand you said, Brother Brandon, the Bible's written perfectly and inerrantly, and I know it was supposed to be like this. But in just my finite mind, I began to think, Brother Kevin, what if he had not seen a reason to do this? What would have been the outcome? What's that got to do with our church? I'm not talking just about monetarily and financial. I'm talking about teaching and everything. Every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning, Brother DJ, the vans pull out, or Brother Kevin on Wednesday night, we pull out, we feed them down there. See, Brother Brandon, there's a lot going on. Well, just think about this. What if we just stopped everything? What if, we, what if we never went back to the coast? What if we never returned to Georgia? What if we just stopped? What do you think the outcome would be? I can tell you what the outcome would be. Brother Allen would have to start zooming in, Father, on that camera to not show an empty church sitting behind them. They'd have to be more microphones put in the choir to get volume for Brother Mike. Brother Mike's done forbidding me to use anybody else on Wednesday night. He said, nobody else is leaving the choir on Wednesday night. We can all sing in the choir, and then y'all could do whatever you want to do, but you ain't taking nobody else out of the choir again. Well, yes, sir. He's not my pastor, but he has authority to, to whoop my pastor, so I'm listening to him too, right? Let me go back to what whooping means. Y'all know what, Malachi, you know what a whooping is? Yeah, I got you. All right. What would happen? I can tell you, there's been churches in the past that's done that. They just said, listen, it's not worth it. Looking at the numbers, looking at the, they said, but Brandon, this is just crazy. This is, it's even, it's even been said before, and they didn't say this in a bad way. What we budgeted this year for Winter Challenge is a time that this year, it was the whole church year, that was the whole years of the church wages totally. And here we are spending it on a bunch of brats at the beach. I tear my living room apart. I find Doritos under the couches. I find donuts in my toothbrush. I still didn't know why all my toothbrush and stuff was wet when I got in there last night. We'll talk about that after a while. My deodorant's floating in the sink. Why is that? Because I'm telling you. Can I tell you this morning quickly? There, what are y'all laughing at? Y'all was involved in it too? There's a cause. David said, I'm not even thinking about what's going to happen if I don't do this. I'm stepping out because doing it is not an option. There is a cause, and it is a great cause. David said the cause is great. Miss Kim, it comes Bible school time. Everybody's excited till 
it's time to clean up at the end of the week. And we're thinking, dear Lord. We was at the trampoline park the other day, Brother Jason. And Brother Jason, Scott, you should have been there with me. I booked it for about two hours. I should have booked it for about 30 minutes because I was done. And I always say, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to participate. And Brother John Pittman comes and says, I bet you can't do this. And I said, I bet you're wrong. And then I done it, and I said, man, I, and then he's crawling off and saying, good job. And I said, yeah, you good job too. Why is that? There's a cause. But I sat there the other day, and I, I was sitting there thinking, about talking about being tired, and is it worth it? About an hour in, I knew we were going to Golden Crow after that, and I'd been over somewhere, and I said, Lord, I need a roll and some chicken and a steak and some Tylenol. That's what I need right now in my life. But then I see that I walk by, and then the lady that checked me out and made sure that everything was paid for, she said, I see a lot of red cheeks. That means there's a lot of happy kids in here. I said, you're right. They're having the time of their life, riding sharks and jumping off stuff and all kind of whatever y'all supposed to be doing. Brother Brandon, why is it worth it? It's worth it because the alternative is not even an option. It's not even an option. Brother Brandon, what if this, what if whatever we got to do? It's not an option. There's a great cause. Number two, it's a sensitive cause. Brother Brandon, what do you mean sensitive? I'm not talking about dancing through the tulips. I'm talking about it's a sensitive cause. Two parts of this. Number one, it's a time-sensitive cause. Brother Brandon, when do we need to realize it's a cause? Right now. Right now. Man, it, I think about, and I said the other night in prayer, Brother Adrian, you, Brother Liam, I prayed about you the other night down there. I said, guys, look at Carson standing beside me. Our college kids did great this year, and they're helping and stacking chips and drinks and everything else. I said, y'all think about this. I said, but about two years. This is talking about time. Why do we got to do it now? I said, in two years, Liam, Malachi, I said, that group's going to be here. And I heard Carson first time say, oh, my Lord. And uh, Miss Janet said, I'm retiring before we get to that point. Guys, that don't seem possible. How that group could be in college. How this group could be here. How that group could be fixing to come up. If we're going to do anything in our life, I told him the other night, if you're going to do anything for the Lord, you better do it now. Because before long, Brother Harold, Brother Harold's a vital part of our church, Brother Harold. But I don't think I'm going to see you at a trampoline park no time soon, jumping with these kids. If he wants to go, then I'll sign him up. He's going to sign a waiver twice just to make sure. And I need a copy of his insurance on file and a medic. But I'm telling you, if we're going to do anything, it is a time-sensitive cause. David could have said, I'm going to go back home and think about this. I'll come back tomorrow. I'll come back next week. Goliath would have done probably murdered anybody that came against him because they were going with him against the Lord. They were not going with him with the Lord. They were going with him with a sword, and he would kill them. David said, I'm going to do it now. It's a, it's a great cause. It's a sensitive cause due to time. It's also a sensitive cause. Get this and don't miss it, adults. It's a, it's, it's a sensitive cause because of our tactic. There's a right way and a wrong way to do this, and I'm thankful our church does this. But I could go to them this morning, and I know that they're kids, and I know they're crazy, and there's times we've got to correct them. But I could go to them and say, listen, I want you to sit down. You ain't worth nothing. Your parents ain't worth nothing. You're going to be in trouble. You're not going. Sit down. Don't move. Do this. And there's times that the instruction is important. But sometimes just saying, Lord, I pray that you take care of this situation. God, I pray, God, that you'd help us know what to do and how to handle this situation. Lord, I pray that you'd do something that would get a hold of their life and fix things. That's what Brother, that's what Brother Brian, he may not, he'll admit it. That's what he prays for our church every week. Lord, there's a lot of situations going on that if Brother Brian tries to reach his hand in and fix it or I try to reach my hand in and fix it, we're going to make a bigger mess. But when God fixes the issue, we can sit back and say, thank you, Lord. But this cause, not only is it great, but it's sensitive. It's a time-sensitive, PD. It's tactical. He said, Brother Brandon, how do, we, how do we handle it? Every kid's not the same. Now, my kids, if they get out of line, Brother Josh, jerk them up, beat their hind end, put them back down, and move on. You'll never have any recourse from me. Right? 
And Petey don't break his arm. I mean, Jeremy don't break his arm. But other than that, but I mean, yeah, so that's a behind-the-scenes story. We'll talk about that later. But it's sensitive. Every young person, every adult in our church is sensitive. You say, Brother Brandon, they shouldn't be sensitive. I get that. But it's sensitive. This cause is important. David didn't come and say, Brother Brandon, what is that? How, do you, how do you apply this to the Bible? David didn't walk down there and say, bless the Lord. They're all scaredy cats. I'm better than all of y'all. Y'all are just wimps. I'm going to take care of it. No, he wasn't like that at all. His brother thought he was. But Miss Elena, he went down through there and he took off the shiny armor. He said, I hadn't proved this. This isn't me. I'm fine with what I've got. He walked down there and they're making fun of him. And I think he's walking the whole time and it ain't phasing him. He goes down to the brook and he puts out five smooth stones. And Brother Brian can preach later why he did that, whether you believe he had brothers or whatever you believe. And he picked out five smooth stones. He walked out there. He wasn't arrogant. He didn't have a sign on that said, hey, I am the best. I'm the greatest preacher. I'm the greatest Sunday school teacher. I'm the greatest deacon. I'm the greatest choir leader. He didn't do that at all. He just said, you come to me with sword and shield. And I'm paraphrasing, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he allowed the Lord to work through him. He was sensitive about the cause. It was a great cause. It was a sensitive cause. Quickly, number three, it's, a, it's still, it's an obvious cause. It's plain to see. Say, Brother Brandon, how do you know? We'll just look out into the world, Brother Brandon. Why is it important that, that they are under our nucleus? Why do we want them here? Why do their parents make them come? Why do they have to go to camp? It's a blessing. I remember somebody vividly, and I'm not going to call them out. They said, man, when it comes camp time, our kids, don't, they don't have an option. That's great. That's great. It's an obvious cause. It's plain to see. David came on the scene here in 1 Samuel 17 with a mat, and David came on the scene, and it didn't take long for him to see a need. Something was off, Brother Travis. There ain't no fighting going on. There's one guy down there running his mouth, Brother Brian, everybody else is just watching. He saw an obvious need. Those who don't, who don't see a call, they're, they're not look, the calls, they're not looking. Brother Brandon, how do you know if I went down this morning coming to church, Brother Allen, and Brother Allen beat me here this morning, but if I pulled into the church and the steeple's on fire, I'm going to notice. I'm going to notice. You come inside, it's full of smoke. I'm not going to take my seat and say, man, something smells funny. No, if the building's on fire, I'm going to notice. I'm not coming in. It's obvious. When you get something, Harry, he's ever done this before. You go to get something out of the dryer and it's still wet because you put it in the dryer, but you forgot to do something very important. Turn it on. I do it often. I'm thinking, man. My clothes really must have sweat when it was dry, and they're still wringing wet. Don't laugh. Y'all have done that before, too. You get something out, or power goes out. What's the first place you go to? The light switch. You turn it on, and guess what ain't happening? It ain't happening unless you've got a generator come on. You can flip it all you want to. But David didn't overlook it and just say, well, everything looks great up here. My dad turned his back to the army, just looked at the army, and said, well, my brothers are still alive, and Saul's still alive, and everything must be going great. I'm just going to ignore what I'm hearing down in the valley behind me. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm not even going to notice it. It's not going on. It's not happening. Can I tell you, they're living in real life. You're living in real life. And if we don't realize there's a cause right now in their life, we're blind. We're blind. Brother Brandon, everybody goes to church and leaves, and everybody's family is perfect. If you don't think every service is a family about to fall apart, if you don't think every service there's not a burden that needs to be answered, and we're not coming, and we're praying for God to do that, because there is a cause, and it is obvious. It's obvious. Every once in a while you come in, you think, man, everything today, Brother Allen, ain't nobody going to have no problems. There ain't going to be no internet drop-off. There ain't going to be no heat problems. Everybody's going to be comfortable. It ain't going to be hot. It ain't going to be cold. Everybody's not going to get locked out of the church. Everybody ain't nobody going to run over a kid. All the balls are going to be put up neatly in the gym when they leave on Wednesday night. That never happens. Never. 
Usually I'm finding a kid in the field and a ball down there in the tree, and here comes a kid that we've lost for three weeks walking by Power of the Woods that's been here for three weeks trying to, to find a kid that's here. Why? Because there's always something going on. So he said, Brother Brandon, in 2024, what do we need to do as a church? And I know he said, Brother Brandon, be wise, and we are going to be wise, and we're going to be frugal as much as we can be frugal. But more than ever before, we ought to realize there is a cause, and the future of this church depends on it. The future of your family depends on it. The future of everything depends on it. It was a great cause. It was a sensitive cause. It was an obvious cause. But number four, lastly, I tell you, it was a rewarding cause. Brother Brandon, what do you mean? Well, you've read the end of the story. And if David had listened to anybody else except for the Lord, it had been a different outcome, Miss Linda. But because one person, not a multitude, but one person saw there was a need and there was a cause, God gave him the victory. Just one, Brother Harold. David didn't say, well, if three of you will go with me, I'll go do it. Or if one of you will go with me, I'll go do it. He just simply said, Lord, if you'll help me, I'll go do it. Say, Brother Brandon, one person isn't going to fund or, 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 or run everything in this church. You are right. But this is what I teach the kids at camp. Mr. Vane, if you'll come, I'm finished. First night, what I tell you to do around yourself, draw a, a circle. Say it a little bit louder for the ones in the back that's got hearing aids they can't hear. Draw a circle thank you draw a circle what do you mean draw a circle i tell them to draw a circle around their self that first night if we begin to pray and why do we do that miss jenny if everybody asks god to fix what's inside their circle then the whole group gets help everybody sense so this morning you say with a brandon this this year if i was a cheerleader or if i was to inject this reminder that there's still a cause for our senior ministry, there's still a cause for our band ministry. There's still a cause for our choir ministry. There's still a cause for our Bible school ministry. There's still a cause for our team ministry. There's still a cause for our children's church ministry. There's still a cause for our college ministry. There's still a cause for our ladies' ministry. There's still a cause for our men's ministry. A lot of stuff going on at Faith this year. There's still a cause to have revival. There's still a cause to have college and career meetings. There's still a cause to have youth rallies. There's still a cause to have camps. There's still a cause to have... Say, Brother Brandon, you just spent $300,000 in five seconds talking. There's still a cause. There's still a cause. So I said, David made a decision personally. So this morning, I'm not asking you to confess all your sins. If you're lost, you need to be saved. I'm not asking you to fix your whole life. I'm just, I'm just asking you, are you going to be part of what God wants to do this year in 2024 and believe in all the ministries I just said that there's still a cause? Are those leaders going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Is your youth pastor going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Will our pastor make mistakes? Absolutely. Will our pianist make mistakes? Maybe not a lot, but absolutely. Will Brother Evan make mistakes? A lot. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Some. All of this stuff, we're people. But I don't know of another church anywhere near here that comes together and believes in a cause like this church believes in a cause. David looked at his brother. He said, I'm not here for show. I'm here because there is a cause, and I'm fixing to make sure that cause is met. We're standing, every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. This may not be an altar call. This may not be a, a chandelier singer, but can I tell you, I want God to renew my heart and remind me that whatever I'm doing, if I'm pushing a broom, if I'm changing a light bulb, if I'm putting in a $100 bill, if I'm putting in a dollar bill, I promise you that this year I will not let me be the one that stops believing in the cause. She's singing. 
They're praying. You mind the Lord this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus of Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat-and-meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's Holy Word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation, they prepare for retirement, they seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other 
gospel, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8.1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here. And may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.